This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello, and thank you for joining me for another edition of the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher for this podcast, Jeremy Myers. In this episode, we are going to, once again, study the difference between eternal life and discipleship. If you don't know the difference between eternal life and discipleship, the conditions and consequences and results between these key biblical terms, then you're going to struggle understanding Scripture But more than that, you are going to always wonder where you are at in your life with God, where you are at with whether or not you have eternal life, whether God loves you and forgives you, and all these sorts of questions. And when people confuse the conditions for eternal life with the conditions for discipleship, then they struggle with their security and whether or not they are, you know, in God's good graces, those sorts of things. Because... There's lots of good works involved for discipleship, whereas eternal life is the free gift. But that's what we're going to learn today in this episode of the One Verse Podcast. We'll be doing this primarily by looking at several passages from the Gospel of John. Okay, so stick around and join me for that. If this sort of study is interesting to you and helpful to you, I think that you will really benefit from my online discipleship group which uh, has people join from all over the world, and we talk about these sorts of things, also re- things related to church and, and the gospel, and even things like election and how to pray, even some practical things like how to pray, see more answers to prayer. So anyway, you can learn more about that and join the discipleship group by going to redeeminggod.com join. There is a fee for it. Uh, you can either... Uh, give a donation to me monthly or annually for that. And that's not necessarily because I want to charge for it, but because running the discipleship group has a lot of expenses related to software, blog hosting, audio hosting, all sorts of things. And so the the gift, the donation that you give as part of the discipleship group just helps cover some of those expenses. And in exchange, you get... Uh, a, bunch of uh, online courses and free ebooks and access to the private Facebook group and private forum, all sorts of other benefits as well. Also a free audiobook as soon as you sign up my audiobook on prayer. So I hope to see you there. Thank you for joining me today as we look at this uh, topic of eternal life and discipleship, which we do talk a lot more about in the online discipleship group. So anyway, with all that in mind, I think we probably have a rather long study today of this difference between eternal life and discipleship in the Gospel of John. So let's just dive right into our study. If you're available, it might be helpful for you to have your Bible out and ready. But of course, if you're driving, walking your dog, something like that, then uh, I will read the text for you. Keep your eyes on the road or wherever it is you're walking with your dog. Got to stay safe. Okay, so eternal life and discipleship in the Gospel of John. So many people seem to think that everyone who believes in Jesus for eternal life will automatically become a disciple of Jesus, right? And so because of that idea, some people think that if a person claims they're a believer in Jesus, claims they're a Christian, 
but they've got some problems in their life, or maybe their life doesn't look much like Jesus, or they're not doing a very good job of following Jesus. Some people say, well, that person's not really a Christian, not really a believer. They didn't really believe. But that is not what Scripture teaches. The Bible reveals that there is a difference between believing in Jesus for eternal life and following Jesus on the path of discipleship. In other words, it is possible to be a believer, but not a disciple. And by the way, it's also possible to be a disciple, but not a believer. All right, I talked about this a couple episodes back in, our, in, in this One Verse podcast, but we're going to look at several passages today from the Gospel of John that show this truth in more detail. Now, the Gospel of John is also known as the Gospel of Belief, and the reason for that is because, better than any other book in the entire Bible, the Gospel of John tells you, tells me, tells us, tells anybody who reads it, how to have eternal life. And over and over and over and over again, in the Gospel of John, we read that there is only one condition for receiving eternal life, and that is to believe in Jesus for it. The Gospel of John shows that eternal life is the gift of God to anyone who simply and only believes in Jesus for it. All right? But the Gospel of John is also great for discipleship. So even though the Gospel of John tells us how to receive eternal life, there's also lots of discipleship truth in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John shows us that eternal life is the free gift of God to anyone who believes in him is for it. But then also, the Gospel of John goes on and says, Now, once you have believed, here is how you can follow Jesus on the path of discipleship. Right? And then we see Jesus do this over and over again in the Gospel of John. He has people who are following him on the path of discipleship, and he invites them to believe in him for eternal life. And then once they believed in him for eternal life, he then further invites them to take the next step, or a deeper step, or a further step, or another step in greater commitment, or greater obedience, or, or more knowledge, or more understanding of what it means to follow him on the path of discipleship. So anyway, the Gospel of John, it is one of the best books of the Bible. I would say the best book of the Bible for evangelism and witnessing, because it, out of all the books in the Bible, most clearly presents the one condition for receiving eternal life. But that doesn't mean it's only good for that. The Gospel of John is also great for discipleship. Okay, so we're going to look at some passages that make all of this very, very clear. And by doing this, you're not only going to see the difference between eternal life and discipleship, but you're also going to see how understanding that difference helps you understand various passages from Scripture. And it's not just true of John. It's true of the letters of Paul and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and lots of Old Testament Hebrew Scripture texts as well, and letters of Peter and so on, okay? So anyway, we're going to look at a few texts. Let's just start off near the beginning of the Gospel of John with John 2.11. Um, which is where Jesus turns, right after Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. All right, and here's what John 2.11 says. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and notice this, and his disciples believed in him. All right, so the purpose of the Gospel of John, as I just said, 
is John wants to give signs and teachings and so on about Jesus so that those who read the book will believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. All right, and that's what we see here with this very first sign in the Gospel of John. All right, he turns this water into wine, and at the end of the story, John says, and because of this sign, some of his disciples believed in him. So notice what's happening here. First, we see that Jesus had some disciples, and they were following him for various reasons. Many of them he had invited to follow him. But we notice here that up till this point, some of them had not believed in him for eternal life. But now, because of this sign, turning water into wine, many of them did believe in him. What this shows us is that it is possible to be a disciple of Jesus, but not a believer in Jesus. Right? They were following him, listening to his teachings, learning from him. That makes them a disciple, but they had not yet believed. But now that they've seen the sign, they do believe. They were now no longer just disciples. They were also disciples who believed. Now, again, I did talk about this in a previous podcast episode. I don't think they all believed. For example, Judas, uh, it's possible that Judas never did believe in Jesus for eternal life. Some people think he did. Some people think he didn't. That's a debatable uh, theological debate. Um, But there's other people we can think about who are like this. For example, in the previous podcast episode, I mentioned Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. He was a disciple of Jesus, uh, but he never believed in Jesus. And there's lots of other people around that today, uh, like that today. People who, many of them might even be in church. They listen to the teachings of Jesus. They read their Bible. They they listen to sermons. They might even attend Bible studies. And so they would be a disciple of Jesus, trying to follow the ways, teachings, and example of Jesus. But if they've never believed in Jesus for eternal life, if they're depending on their own good works or their own ability or their own effort in order to receive eternal life, then they've never believed in Jesus alone for eternal life. They're believing in themselves to some degree. So in which case, they're a disciple of Jesus, but not a believer in Jesus. Okay? So that's just what this first text shows you. It's possible to be a disciple and not a believer. All right? Now, uh, guess what? It's also true to be a believer and not a disciple. The next text I want to look at later in John chapter 2 shows this. John is, again, trying to show us the different types of ways to respond to Jesus, and so that's what he's doing in John chapter 2. He's just shown us some disciples who weren't believers. Of course, then they became believers. Now, in John chapter 2, verses 23 and uh, through 25, he shows us some people who believed in Jesus but didn't become a disciple of Jesus. Very challenging idea for many people today. Here's what the text says. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. All right, so here we have, Jesus goes to this feast, and he performs some signs, and many believe in him. But Jesus says he, but John says that Jesus did not commit himself to them, meaning he didn't share more about himself with them. Why? Because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew 
what happens to people? People tend to turn on others and stab them in the back and all sorts of things. And so Jesus was very careful about who he committed himself to. And we'll see this again uh, in the next text we look at, that this was a very smart move by Jesus. Now, some people reading this text say, see, see, these people believed in him, but Jesus didn't commit himself to them, which means they really didn't believe in Jesus. But notice the text doesn't say that. People who teach that idea are reading that into the text. The Bible says they believed in his name. And if that's what the Bible says, how can we say, oh, but they didn't really believe? Right? Text says they believed in his name, and John says anybody who believes in his name has eternal life. So logically, from the text, from the context, they believed in him and they have eternal life. But Jesus didn't commit himself to them. Why? Again, it's because he wanted to wait. It's also because many of them, as we'll see later in the next text we look at, and also in the many other passages in John, many of them, of these believers, had false ideas, wrong ideas about what the Messiah would be and do. They thought he was going to start a military rebellion to throw off the Roman Empire. That's not why Jesus came. It's not what he was about. And so he didn't want to commit himself to them until they had learned a little bit more about him and what he was all about, what he was here to do. And so Jesus was very careful about committing himself to these brand new believers. Now, he's going to call them to be his disciple and follow him, and some of them do for a while, but then they turn away. They stop following him. Uh, does that mean they are no longer, they no longer have eternal life? No. John says over and over and over, <laughs> eternal life, you know, anyone who believes in him is have, has everlasting life. And if everlasting life can be lost, then it has the wrong name. It's no longer everlasting. It's temporary life or something like that, okay? Anyway, let's look at this next text, which shows you where some of these people do stop following him. They turn away from him. And it's interesting, this next text, it's in John chapter 6, verses 60 through 66. Uh, John presents for us five combinations of believers and disciples. You might think there's only three, you know, those who only believe, those who are only disciples, and then a combination of the two, those who are both believers and disciples. But John gives us five different combinations here uh, in John 6, 60 through 66. Let me just read some of these verses. I won't read the whole passage for you, but there, uh, here, here's what it says. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, okay, so this is his disciples, they heard this, what Jesus just said, and they say, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Okay, so he knows what they're thinking. And then Jesus says, but there are some of you who do not believe. Hmm, some of his disciples do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Notice it doesn't say they didn't believe in him anymore or they lost their eternal life, nothing like that. It just says they walked with him no more. That is a discipleship term, walking with Jesus on the path of discipleship. 
Okay, so in John chapter 6, Jesus had given this hard, difficult teaching about drinking his blood and eating his body, right? And it sounds very gruesome. And of course, he was not speaking literally. It was metaphor. It was symbolism. Uh, But some people didn't understand this. And this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? He was speaking figuratively. But nevertheless, uh, then, just like today, some uh, religious people don't like it when you say certain things, and so they turn away. They stop following. That's what they did with Jesus as well. Uh, many of his listening audience, many of his disciples did not like what Jesus was saying, and so they challenge him, they turn away, they stop following him. All right? And so a large group of his disciples stopped being his disciple. All right? They stopped following him. All right? Now, Many of them did continue to follow him, and we see in the text, some of them were believers, and some of them were not believers. And Judas Iscariot is probably one of those who stayed, and yet Jesus knew that he would betray, that Judas would betray Jesus, so he's probably one of those ones. He's probably a non-believing disciple who continued to follow Jesus, all right? So, here's sort of these five groups that we see represented here in John chapter 6. And these are present in every church, in every community, maybe even among some of you who are listening. So, as I read through these five groups, I want you to sort of ask yourself, which one of these am I? This is the five combinations, possible combinations of uh, believers and disciples. Number one, there are unbelieving, non-disciples of Jesus, right? That just makes sense. (laughs) These people don't follow Jesus in any way, shape, or form in the path of discipleship, and they do not believe in him. Okay, we do see those in John 6, verses 41 to 59. All right, second and third, just lump these two together, although they're really two different groups. There are believing and unbelieving disciples— who stopped following Jesus, okay? So some of them believed in Jesus. They were disciples, and they believed in Jesus, but now they stopped following him. Something gets too difficult, too hard. They don't like something Jesus said, so they stopped following him. And then there are unbelieving disciples. Again, they were disciples. They heard something Jesus said. They're like, ah, this is too hard for me. I can't accept this. I'm out of here, okay? But the thing is, some of them were believers, John 6, 66 makes that very clear. Some of them were believers. Some of them were unbelievers. They were all disciples, the second and third group, but they stopped following Jesus because of something he said. So that's the second and third group. They're both disciples, some believing, some unbelieving. Okay. All right. Fourth, there are unbelieving disciples who continue to follow Jesus. Again, Judas is probably an example of this. He was a disciple, but he didn't believe in Jesus. Hard teaching comes along. He's like, "Eh, I don't know about that, but I'm going to stick this through. I'm going to stick around because I think that some good things might come my way. And that's what Judas thought as well. He's an unbelieving disciple who continues to follow Jesus even when the going gets tough. Okay? Fifth and finally, and ideally here, this is the goal. This is what we want. We have believing disciples who continue to follow Jesus, no matter what, right? Because he has the words of eternal life. That's what Peter says there. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. This is in verses 67, 68, and 69. 
All right, so those are the five groups, right? And their relationship to Jesus. And again, the question is, which one are you? And how can you get to be that fifth and final group? You have believed in Jesus for eternal life, and you are a disciple of Jesus, following him on the way of life. (laughs) And no matter what happens, the going gets tough, he teaches something difficult and hard, you're going to stick around because he has the words of eternal life. He has the words of truth. Okay, that's the goal. And uh, so we see just... Uh, that that here in John 6, but then we also see this concept developed more as we work our way through the Gospel of John. For example, John 8, 30 to 32, uh, the text says this, and he spoke these words, oh, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So notice what happens here. Jesus teaches, and a group of people there, Jews, it says, many of them believe in him. And Jesus notices that they believe in him, and so notice what he does. He says, good, (laughs) you believed in me. Now, I invite you, I encourage you to join me on the path of discipleship. So this word, if you abide in my word. He doesn't say, if you really believed. (laughs) No, they did believe. The text says they really believed, and therefore they have eternal life. And now because of that, Jesus invites them to join him on the path of discipleship. You see, it's a second step, a second stage, a a, a different set of uh, uh, conditions even. Believing in Jesus for eternal life is just believing in Jesus. That's how you get eternal life. You believe in Jesus for it. But to follow Jesus on the path of discipleship, so that you can know the truth, so that the truth can set you free, well, Jesus says that requires abiding in my word. Abide means to remain, to stay, to continue, to dwell. We look at the word abide in great detail in my Gospel Dictionary online course, many texts that use the word abide. But that's what's going on here. Okay, so once again, we see John telling us, look, if you believe in Jesus for eternal life, that's great, that's awesome, that's wonderful, that means you have eternal life. But that's not the end of the matter. That's just the beginning. Because now Jesus is inviting you to abide in his word, listen to his teachings, remain with him, and do what he says. And if they do that, then they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Now, of course, if that's true then the opposite is also true. If they refuse to hang out with Jesus, if they refuse to listen to his teachings, then they would no longer be his disciples. But they would still have eternal life, right? Because the text said they believed in him, and therefore they have eternal life. So they would have it, they would be a believer, they would have eternal life, but they would not be a disciple of Jesus. They would not be set free from their sin and addictions and problems. They would instead continue to remain enslaved and chained to their sins in rebellious ways. All right, so abiding, notice in the text, abiding in his word, abiding with Christ, abiding in Jesus is not a condition of eternal life. Eternal life is a free gift of God to anyone who believes in Jesus for it. All right? So there's definitely a difference here between being a believer and a disciple. Now, 
If you're a Bible scholar or you're reading the context here, you might look down and look at verses uh, 44 and 45 and say, yeah, but Jeremy, down it says, it looks like they did not believe in him, right? The, the verses say this, John 8, 44 and 45. Let me find them here. John 8, 44 and 45. They're having a little disagreement with Jesus, and Jesus says to them, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, notice this, you do not believe me. Right? So, now, some people say, well, earlier and it says they did believe him. Here it says they didn't believe him, so therefore they didn't believe him. Well, now wait a second here. If John says earlier that these Jews did believe, and then later in verse 845, Jesus says, you did not believe, is this a contradiction in the Bible? <laughs> right? Which one are you going to pick? One says they did believe. One says they didn't believe. Which one is it? <laughs> Lots of people have struggled with this. The answer, the solution to this problem is to go back and recognize that there are two groups of Jewish people in this listening audience. The same as there is anytime you preach or teach or anytime you're walking around, there's two groups of people. Anytime you're presenting the gospel, there are people who believe and people who don't. And that's the same thing going on here. There are some Jewish people in the group who believe in Jesus. And when Jesus sees that they believe in him, he says, hey, thank you for believing. He's speaking to the believers. Come, follow me on the path of discipleship. But... Following this, Jesus then turns to those who didn't believe, and he challenges them. And most of the verses in John chapter 8 are Jesus talking to those who don't believe in him. He's trying to point out to them the error of their thinking, and how they're wrong about Scripture, and wrong about him, and wrong about God. And he's trying to get them to see that they need to believe in him for eternal life. And if they do that, then he will invite them on the path of discipleship. All right? So there's this dialogue. Most of the dialogue in John chapter 8 is between Jesus and the Jewish non-believers. Right? So in John, uh, verses, John 8, verses 44 and 45, when he says, You are of your father, the devil, and you didn't believe in me, he's talking to the Jewish non-believers in the crowd not to the Jewish believers. There's two groups, the believing Jews and the non-believing Jews, right? And uh, most of that debate is between Jesus and the non-believing Jews, all right? If you don't accept that option, your only other option is to say there is a contradiction in, the God, in John chapter 8, <laughs> all right? In a span of a very few verses, the Bible contradicts itself. John says they did believe, Jesus says they didn't, contradiction. I think it's much, much better to see there's two groups of people, it just makes sense, two groups of people in any crowd, in any audience that is being presented with the gospel. Some believe, some don't, and different things are said to different groups to get them to take the next step. Believers are invited to take the step of discipleship. Non-believers are invited to take the step of believing in Jesus, okay? So again, if you have believed in Jesus for eternal life, then Jesus is inviting you 
to abide in his word and follow him. But if you've not believed in Jesus for eternal life, then Jesus is inviting you to believe in him. All right? And, and that's what's going on here in John chapter 8. All right, so we've looked at several of passages that sort of show the difference between disciples and believers, and especially there's lots of passages that we've hinted at, I've been going showing on over and over, that um, to receive eternal life, you need to believe in Jesus for it. But what are the conditions for being a disciple of Jesus? All right, we just saw one here in John chapter 8 about abiding in his word, but let's look at a couple other texts from the Gospel of John that also lay out some conditions for being a disciple of Jesus. And one of these is found in John 13, 35. Jesus says, By this all will know that you are my disciples. He doesn't say, By this all will know that you have eternal life. No, he says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice if Jesus is saying, If you want to have eternal life, then you need to love one another. What is he saying? He's saying you need to have the good work of loving all other people in order to have eternal life. Now, be honest. Do you love all other people? Do you love all Christians? <laughs> be careful of how you answer. All right. Do you love there's lots of political strife in our country right now? Do, whatever side of the aisle you find yourself on, do you love everybody on the other side? of the political aisle? Do you love all of your neighbors? (laughs) Right? Well, thankfully, Jesus is giving a condition for discipleship here, not for eternal life. Because if this was a condition for eternal life, then guess what? None of us would have it. It is impossible to consistently and constantly love everybody. And if that was a condition for eternal life, then nobody would have it. So thankfully, Jesus here is talking about discipleship. Look, you want people to, and not just how to be a disciple, um, this is sort of a way to be a disciple, and how people will recognize you. That's really what Jesus is talking about here, how people will recognize you as one of his disciples. Again, none of us love everybody all the time perfectly. It doesn't mean then, oh, I guess I'm not a disciple of Jesus. No, again, this is about how people will recognize you as a disciple. And how is that? If you love one another. Which I think is really telling because if you ask the average non-Christian what they think about Christians, the average non-Christian will say, yeah, they're a real hypocritical, hateful group of people. All right? Far too often, quite to the opposite of what Jesus says here, the world looks at Christians and says that we are unloving. All right, and oddly, <laughs> if you've ever had a conversation like this with a Christian, I have. Um, yeah, the world says we are unloving. Oddly, the, the the typical Christian response to that sort of statement is to argue. We're not unloving. <laughs> We're the most loving group in the world. If you would just come to church, you would see how loving we really are. Right? <laughs> That's the response usually, right? I don't think that is a very loving response. If the world says we're unloving, then maybe we need to step back and say, now, why would they say that? What are we doing? How are we acting? How are we behaving? Which causes the world to say, those Christians, they talk about love, but they are not loving. You know, sometimes we think that it's enough to wear our love on our t-shirts, right? (laughs) 
Uh, I, I overheard two guys the other day talking um, and having a conversation. There were two Christians, and one of they, they were both wearing Christian t-shirts. I, I didn't know either one of them, um, but uh, they were talking about their experience at work. Anyway, one was saying to the other, says, yeah, they all hate me at work, but that's okay because I'm standing up for Christ. Right? We Christians sometimes get that idea. We wear it as a badge of pride, a badge of honor to be hated by non-Christians. And I get that because Jesus did say later that the world will hate you if, a, if you are a follower of Jesus because they hated him first, right? But when Jesus says the world will hate you because it hated me first, he's not talking about the people. He's talking about the world domination system, the, the, the values and powers of this world that set things up to kill and destroy and ruin people's lives. When you look at the life of Jesus, it's not the sinners and the non-Christians and the non-religious people and the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors. None of them hated Jesus. They all loved Jesus and loved to hang out with him. The only people who hated Jesus in the Gospels were the religious people, right? So I would say that if religious people, those who like to quote Bible verses all the time, those who are very careful about what people wear, what people say, what people dress, how people dress, where they go, what books they read, what music they listen to, if those people, you know, and they always have a Bible verse to back up their clothes, if those people hate you, then you're probably a friend with Jesus. But if sinners, non-Christians hate you, and religious people love you, well, you're probably not a friend with Jesus, okay? It's only the religious people that hated Jesus. And so look at the people who hates you and who love you, and maybe decide whether or not you're a friend of Jesus, because um, that, that's sort of a good litmus test for where you are at as a disciple of Jesus, all right? If you want to tell people you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus says here in John 13, 35, that you do it by loving other people, loving one another. The person who loves others unconditionally and doesn't claim to follow Jesus is closer to the kingdom of God than those who claim to follow Jesus but don't love others unconditionally. I said that fast. Let me try to say it again, maybe a little slower. The person who loves others unconditionally, whether or not they claim to be a Christian, right, doesn't matter, that person is closer to the kingdom of God than the person who says, look at me, I'm a Christian, but goes around love, or hating people and not loving other people. Which one is more like Jesus? The one who says, I'm a Christian and hates people and people hate him? Or the person who says, I'm just going to love others, okay? Love is of God, and everybody that loves is born of God and knows God because God is love. John wrote that in his first letter, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Look, if you want others to know that you are born of God, that you know God, those are not terms talking about being a Christian. This is about letting others know you're a Christian. How are you going to do that? By loving others the same way God loves us, the same type of love that we see in Jesus Christ. Look, I would apply John 13, 35 this way. If you want others to know you're a Christian, don't wear it on a t-shirt, on a bumper sticker, or with the words that come out of your mouth. Let people know you are a follower of Jesus 
by how you love them. This includes the words that come out of your mouth. Do your words sound like words Jesus might say? Do your actions look like the sorts of things Jesus might do? Do you love unconditionally? Do you forgive easily and freely? Do you serve sacrificially? Do you accept everybody no matter what? Do you stand up to the religious elites, the religious status quo, the religious leaders who try to keep people away from God, keep people under the thumb of God? Oh, God hates you. God's out to get you. God's out to destroy you and cast you into hell unless you turn and repent of your sins, right? (laughs) So those sorts of people Jesus had the harshest words for. Do you? Right? Do you eat and hang out with tax collectors and sinners? Because Jesus does. And if you're following Jesus, then that's where he is leading you as well. All right, let's look at another text. Let's move on. Another way to be a disciple of Jesus, to recognize a disciple of Jesus. This is John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Does Jesus say, if you want to have eternal life, you need to bear much fruit? No, he doesn't say that. The bearing much fruit in John 15, 8 is to be a disciple of Jesus, not to receive eternal life. Eternal life is the free gift of God to anyone who believes in him for it. Discipleship, though, does involve bearing fruit. All right, so if a person is not bearing fruit, It doesn't mean anything, one way or the other, about whether or not they have eternal life. You can say that person's not bearing fruit, or I'm not bearing fruit, therefore I'm not a disciple, or therefore he's not a disciple. You can say that, sure, but you cannot say anything one way or another about that person's eternal life. Right? Bearing fruit is a condition and consequence of discipleship, following Jesus. And by the way, the key word in John 15, again, is the word abiding. All right? Abiding with Jesus. All right? So whether so, so neither good works or a lack of good works prove anything about whether or not a person has eternal life. Okay? You do not need good works to gain eternal life, to keep your eternal life, or to prove that you have eternal life. Good works help you in discipleship. And that's it has nothing whatsoever to do with eternal life. So, here's the overall theme and purpose, goal that I'm trying to present to you today. Eternal life is a free gift of God to anyone who believes in Jesus for it. Period. There's no good works, no fine print, right? No little hidden agendas, no strings attached. There's no ongoing good works required. Eternal life is freely received. It's freely given by God. And once it is given, it cannot be revoked or taken away, or else it's not eternal life. Get that through your mind and understanding as you read Scripture, because then a lot more passages will make a lot more sense. Also, you will never have to wonder whether or not God has given you eternal life. Because if you believed in Jesus for it, then you have it. Jesus promises it. Discipleship, though, is completely different. And discipleship is where the real joy 
and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment in the Christian life comes from. And yes, it's difficult. It requires sacrifice. It requires persistence. There's numerous conditions attached to discipleship. Discipleship isn't free. It does call you to love and serve and give and submit and follow and repent and confess and all the other instructions in Scripture. But thankfully, those are so that you can have a better life now and a better life with Jesus in eternity. Those conditions have nothing whatsoever to do with receiving, keeping, gaining, proving that you have eternal life. There goes my phone. (laughs) All right. So following Jesus as a disciple is the greatest challenge you will face in life. It's the best experience now in this life and the best foretaste of what life will be like in eternity. So believe in Jesus for eternal life, absolutely. But then also commit to following Jesus on the path of discipleship. When you understand the difference between those two, I think you've seen as the couple examples from John I've given today, when you understand those differences, you're going to understand where you're at with God, but also you're going to understand many of these tricky Bible passages that lots of people use to guilt and shame and put fear into the minds and hearts of other people. They're not about eternal life. They're about following Jesus on the path of discipleship. So hopefully that makes sense. I do talk about this an awful lot more in in the discipleship group. And you can learn more about that and join by visiting redeeminggod.com slash join. Uh, There's a lot more details there and how to sign up today. If you do have questions or comments, reach out to me, Facebook, Twitter, or just go to my site, redeeminggod.com, and leave a comment there. I will try to respond as quickly as I can. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode, next study of the One Verse Podcast, where we begin to look at the word election and a couple passages that talk about election. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye.